I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody bitch! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to you! Justin Bieber! Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side of the first time. It is time to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Uh, I, I can tell you something. I, I would not recommend chemotherapy as a recreational drug. I cannot see it taking off in the clubs. There is very little to commend about it. I cannot ever see anyone going... Oh, listen for the drop. Here it comes. Oh, the chemo's kicking in, man. It is fucking horrible. But every day I have to go to the hospital and there are radiologists, there's um, radiotherapists, uh, there's one from Somalia, uh, there's an Irish one, uh, and then there's a very nice lad from the sort of home counties and then there's a Scottish doctor, and then I had a French doctor the other day giving me his, um, giving me the cannula, and a guy from Senegal, and there's a lovely one from the Ivory Coast, a Palestinian woman, who uh, is very interesting to talk to at the moment, and uh, there's an American speech therapist, and then an Irish uh, dentist woman, uh, and then a couple of Egyptian doctors that, that came around. They were brilliant. And from all over the world, these people, and... I'm really glad to have uh, had my attitude to it sort of sorted out this week because for weeks I've been thinking, oh, these people are, are brilliant coming from all over the world to help us get better medically. But now I realise what I should be doing every time that they've looked after me is I should go, now you can fuck off back to your own country. Come in over here, you parasite. We've got 300,000 too many people over here. How are we supposed to find any bloody jobs for, for when you are bloody sticking cannulas in me and trying to save me life? You can piss off. And now it seems that the, the argument, the argument in this country now is whether we should get rid of people illegally or whether we should be like the soft-hearted, kind, old patrician 19th century conservatives and go, no, I think we should pay some credence to international law because now what started off with most of us going, we can't sign an agreement on deportations with Rwanda. They're Rwanda. That's a terrible place. Has ended up with Rwanda going, we can't be signing a deportation agreement with Britain. These people don't want to keep to the law at all. These fuckers. We're worse than Rwanda. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is It's been over a year since Liz Truss stepped down as Prime Minister, having accidentally lost all the country's money. But luckily, she's been touring the world giving her economic advice, and now she's got more advice for us with the Liz Truss Guide to Christmas. Hi, guys. For too long, our Christmases have failed to live up to the potential that this great festive occasion demands. It's about time we ditched the lazy consensus and had a radical rethink. This year, instead of carving your turkey, why not throw it out the window? For too long, 
the established orthodoxy has insisted we should have vegetables with our Christmas dinner. Why not replace the vegetables with sticks of dynamite? And we've all had enough of decorating the house with boring old tinsel. Why not think outside the box we've been stuck in for too long and fill the house with brightly coloured radioactive waste? And instead of leaving presents under the tree, why not set fire to the Christmas tree and put it in your child's bedroom? Now, I know that some people are going to point out that when they followed my advice last Christmas, several houses were burnt to the ground. But that's only because we didn't go far enough. The woke anti-Christmas coalition, such as the Health and Safety Brigade and firefighters, were holding us back. Whereas if they'd done as I suggested and doused them with petrol, we'd now have the fastest growing Christmas since records began. Happy Christmas. Now, because I'm having all this treatment at the moment, uh, I have to have this thing called radiotherapy. So every morning I have to lie under this like mask that's just pulled bolted down over here. The first time you have it, it's a bit like you think you're in a Japanese black and white revenge film from about 1962. And there's sort of, and this is, this is how they take ultimate revenge on their enemy. Click, click, clip all these bolts go down. You get used to it and it's all right. <clears throat> and there's a marvellous thing they have there. There's a screen is next to my head at the time and they just let me choose me music. So this is a big bit of the day for me. Every night I choose what music I'm going to have for the next morning <laughs> during the 10 minutes or so that this thing's on. So one morning I goes, Rum, Sodomy and the Lash, the finest album, the most glorious, wondrous Rum, Sodomy and the Lash, every track and Absolute beauty. I'm going to have that while I'm on. Out of this being zapped. And I came out of the hospital all invigorated and turned on my phone to see that Shane McGowan was dead. I, it's the most spiritual I've ever felt. I really, really hope I didn't cause it. I think he'd already died because the announcement was during while I, while I was under there. So that led me to the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck was going on with Shane McGowan and the Pogues? And we are honoured to have expert advice, as you always need when asking what the fuck is going on. The wondrous music journalist, Simon Price. How are you, sir? I'm all right, Mark. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Uh, no, lovely to have you. And you were, I knew you would be uh, a devotee of the Pogues. Um, I've never seen you write about, about them, but I knew you would be. Yeah, um, I've kind of got a sort of mixed and checkered history of how I feel about the Pogues. I don't even know if I'd call myself a devotee, but definitely an admirer of a lot of aspects of, of, of what they did. Because uh, they, they, were, they were more complex than they're given credit for. You know, they weren't just this sort of carousing, rabble-rousing kind of band, uh, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get on to. And uh, yeah, um, as, as soon as I heard that, that he died, I, I just had this feeling that people are going to write about just a handful of things like bad teeth and the Christmas song and, and, and the drinking. Um, but you know, there was a lot more going on in, in the pokes than just that stuff. Although that was obviously there. Yes. I don't you know what, I think it's worth starting with that because there was a lot more stuff going on. It was, you know, incredible. I think those first five albums particularly incredibly complex and in all sorts of ways, but the drink, one of the things about it is that it was 
unashamedly for having a great time while being absolutely smashed at the worst end of alcoholic stupor. And there's something glorious about that. I know there's nothing glorious about being an alcoholic, but except that there sort of is, because if you're having the sort of nights that you're having, as in Trans Metropolitan or the Sick Bell to Kill Colour, you know, that ends, you know, they'll put you in the ground, you'll stick your hand back out and shout, let's have another round. That's like, there's no apology, like Don Giovanni, no apology. I'm going into the flames and I'm proud of what I've done. It was, um, yeah, we smashed everything up. We had fights. We were outrageous. Now I'm dead. It was fun. There's something glorious about that. There is. But, you know, even on their very first single, Dark Streets of London, um, there's, there are mixed messages in that because it starts, I've got the lyrics here, I like to walk in the summer breeze down Darling Road by the dead old trees and drink with my friends in the Hammersmith Broadway. Dear, dirty, delightful, old, drunken old days. And that's a lovely phrase. Mm. But there's a twist, of course, that he ends up on ECT and the yeah, winter yeah. comes and he's penniless. So there's, there's always that, that undercurrent to it. And um, yeah, you, you mentioned Trans Metropolitan. That's the first track on their first album. And that's about going on a drunken rampage around London. And just with this, this whole attitude of, well, fuck it, we're all going to die. Um, so, yeah, we, we might as well go out and go out in a blaze of glory. You've got nothing to lose. I suspect it's not him in his own voice in that because it's there's quite a bit of racism. and uh, <laughs> There's homophobia. Because, yeah. right, here's the thing. Um, people go on about the F word in fairy tale of New York, of course, and people tie themselves in knots trying to explain it or excuse it. But... There's this verse, the, the verse from Transmetropolitan's hiding in plain sight. It goes from Brixton's lovely boulevards to Hammersmith's sightly shores. We'll scare the Camden Palace puffs and worry all the whores. There's leeches up in Whitehall and queers in the GLC. And when we've done those bastards in, we'll storm the BBC. And Shane wrote that, and it's really grim, and you can't really sort of sugarcoat that. Am I, am I being sort of soft on him then? Because I'm thinking that's he's singing about... He's singing about what a drunken rampage is, rather than that was his. I've desire. had many drunken rampages, and it's never turned me into a homophobe. I'll say that, <laughs> um, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I suppose some people would give the get out clause that he is singing in character or something like that. I always think that's a little bit of a cop out, trying to have it both ways. Yeah, but you're probably like right. I say, you know, it's it's complex. He, mm. he wrote so many other songs with great humanity and, and empathy and, and insight that it's wrong to just cherry pick the, the bad bits. Yeah. 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 It was, it, it, yes, it was unashamedly a uh, drunken rampage in all its, with all its worst elements. But I did, but then also, you know, the old main drag is one of the saddest songs, isn't it? You know, just, and it almost in those, whatever it is, you know, five, six verses of five lines each, you tell you can see the story of how this could be anybody in that age. You know, I first came down to, to London when I was only 16, wasn't it? Went down to the d Dilly to check out the scene and ended up on the old main drag. And it's just sort of, he's just fallen in there. He's not aimed to go there. It's not a lifestyle choice, as some people have recently suggested. Um, and then he ends up in the most pitiable state. And I suspect even that would would be a song that wouldn't uh, 
that wouldn't suit modern sensitivities. And he'd be asked if it came out now, he'd be asked to justify certain lines in it. But so so much of what he writes, or you know, that he sings about in other people's words, in, in, in many cases, is about the Irish emigrant or immigrant experience, and about how yeah, people do often travel to places like New York or to London with sort of starry eyes, imagining it's going to be amazing, and, and they get there and it ends up being horrific. Even in um, Transmetropolitan, um, the character ends up, I think I'm right in saying, in Arlington House, the uh, mm. homeless refuge as yeah. immortalised by madness in uh, One Better Day. Yeah, I, uh, the, the complex nature of it, so for example, it's very London, and it's... Uh, and also very Irish. I mean, the first time you hear it, it's like a Celtic Gatling gun, isn't it? The Red Roses for me. <laughs> and when I, um, but here's one one song, for example, that I think suggests that it was it wasn't just the sort of uh, either the old Irish musical nationalism of the beautiful fields of, of Ireland and so on, nor was it just straight down the line Republican boys of the old brigade nationalism. The song Thousands of Sailing, I think, is one of the most beautiful right. songs. And it's it's about refugees. You know, over the centuries, the Irish are forced to be refugees. But there's one verse in it I always thought, the first time I heard it, I thought, that's amazing, that yeah. says, um, wherever we go, we celebrate the land that made us refugees for fear of priests with, a, uh, with an empty plate and guilt and weeping effigies. So that's really very much against Irish nationalism. That's like he's angry with Ireland there as well. It's not just we're all beautiful Ireland. If we'd only been left alone, we could have built a perfect land, but for the fucking Brits. It's more yeah. complex than that. Yeah, he's sort of turning the finger of blame a little bit there. Um, I I thought, I don't know if I'm maybe I got this wrong. I thought it was Philip Chevron that actually wrote that one. But there, right, there's so, well be, so yes. many... So many great talents within the Pogues as well as, you know, as Kate O'Riordan, there's uh, Philip Chevron, Spider Stacey, Jem Finer. Um, many of them have done great stuff out, outside of, of the Pogues. But, th but that song, yeah, I mean, there, there are other Pogues songs about emigration and it's usually to North America. And you've, you've got the guy in Sally McLennan who's going far away. Far away! Uh, yeah. the, the Irish Rover, obviously that's not their song. The Dublin, but, yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's about people sailing across to build the city hall of New York, but not quite getting there. Even the couple in Fairy Tale of New York, we, we've got to assume that they, they are Irish-Americans. But um, thousands of sailing, yeah, I mean, it appears at the beginning to be about the um, potato famine. And most British people have got a really vague idea about the potato famine. If, if anything, they, they tend to sort of uh, lean towards being not too far from Alan Partridge saying you will pay the price if you're a fussy eater. <laughs> um, so, you know, th this song's a bit of a history lesson and a lot, a lot of, a lot of Pope songs are history lessons, really. The reality is over a million people between, what was it, 1846 and 1851 sailed there to escape starvation. And it's strangely resonant now, I think, that song, because you've got our government, we've got people trying to flee from tyranny and oppression and war and our government now wants to turn them away send them back or stick them yeah. on a fucking plane to rwanda you know yeah um, yeah, yeah but yeah and in in the song yeah at the start of the, uh, thousands of sailing you've got 
you got people who don't make it that far. It goes, on a coffin ship, I came here, and I never even got so far that they could change my name. Oh, that's, that's brilliant, brilliant isn't it? Yeah, that's a brilliant. And then, then you've got people who did make it, and it sounds really magical. Mm. It goes, in Manhattan's desert twilight, in the death of afternoon, we stepped hand in hand on Broadway like the first man on the moon. That's, that's amazing as well. But yeah, um, and it, it seems... But then there's a bit that you quoted that is the kind of twist at the end, and it, it it's 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 the kicker really, and it it almost seems to be berating people who leave Ireland at, um, up to that point in the same way that the Proclaimers' um, letter from America mm. does with Scottish emigrants. But yeah, the the lyric then points the blame at Ireland itself, and I did I didn't really see that coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think uh, again, it was, so that's it's complex, that isn't it? Almost like a Dylan lyric or something, and then sort yeah. of changes halfway, halfway through. Um, is that now? What, what do you reckon? This is a theory I had at the time, and I don't know whether this is pompous shite or not. In the early eighties, there was this phrase "world music" that I think was never sort of what on earth did that mean? It's sort of, but there was a trend to. Um, for there to be like what would you call traditional sounds in a certain bit of the world that would be a bit electrified and modernised, and it was called very patronisingly world music. The Bundu yeah. boys from Zimbabwe, for example, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So a traditional, more traditional Zimbabwe sound and a bit electrified. Oh, it's world music now, as if yeah. it's not existed before now. Ugh. And as if it's all homogenous. It's just anything that's not Anglo-American. It's this great it's the world. Stuff. Yeah. There's yeah. England and America, and then there's another country called the world where <laughs> yeah, these yeah, funny yeah. little people, bum, 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 they're funny with their funny little rhythms, and now they've invented electricity, and they've got a guitar with it, and it's world music. Yeah. But there was a trend for though for you know, South American sounds that was sort of fused a little bit with rock or so on, that, that sort of thing. And in a way, did the Pogues not fit into that? It was sort of traditional Irish music that was punked up and rocked up. And it was it, it was the Irish version of that a bit. Well, it's definitely a fusion. It's a sort of fabrication of, it. you know, it's putting two disparate elements together and making them into great pop, which is what I think Britain has always been really good at, is just bashing things together that shouldn't fit and making it work and making it into pop music. So, you know, not long before Pogues came along, you had Two-Tone, which is... You know, Jamaican reggae fused with punk mm. and sounding absolutely fucking brilliant. Yes. Now, we must, we must, before we go, talk about another band uh, that became prominent probably round about the same time, The Cure. This is, your, ah. this is your absolute area of expertise, isn't it? Right now it is, yeah. I've been filling my head with The Cure for, for three years um, and promoting the hell out of it lately. So uh, first of all, I want to thank you for giving me the first opportunity in a long time to talk about something other than the bloody cure. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss the opportunity to plug my book. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've written a book called Curepedia and A to Z of the Cure. And it did take three years. And it's half the length of the Bible, um, a third the length of the works of Shakespeare. Um, I went a bit mad. I didn't know when to stop. I, I spiraled off into ridiculous uh, obscure depths of research and rabbit holes about very uh, would topics they be that were very would, they, is, would the cure read this and go fuck I don't remember that <laughs> they'll probably read it and think what the fuck's he talking about it's just a love song you know and I'm and I'm comparing it to outbreaks of tarantism in medieval Italy or something like that you know <laughs> <laughs> so 
Simon, what's the name of the book? It's called Curepedia, an A to Z of the Cure. Marvellous. And uh, so, yeah, so lovely to have you on to talk about Shane McGowan. And I'm sure if we weren't bound by well, we're not really. It's the internet. We could go on for several hours. I will tell you one more story before we go, right. um, and it relates to the Pogues. And because uh, obviously so many of their songs were about history. Um, you know, you had and the band played Waltzing Matilda, which is about Gallipoli, and they didn't write that. You've got um, even the title, Rum, Sodomy and the Lash, is a Churchill quote. Probably their most annoying song. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but Fiesta, right? Because oh, Fiesta... Like that. <laughs> Fiesta keeps cropping up in fucking adverts for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, cars, ice cream, whatever it may be. And um, But obviously it's about the Spanish Civil War. Um, I always think of that song and the Pogues when I recall something that happened to me in the early 80s. A, a friend and I um, formed a really shit acoustic duo. Uh, and um, we, were, we used to go and sit on, on this secluded beach in Barry Island, just around the corner from the main tourist beach a beach called Jackson's Bay. And we were sat there on the, on the sand with our guitars one day. And there was this very old man. He must have been well into his 70s, um, very leathery looking, the sort of person who'd obviously led a very outdoorsy life. And he just emerged from the sea. He'd been swimming and he just came out of the sea. And he walked up to us and um, got talking to us. And we were very left wing, you know, that we were very earnest and uh, we, we just wanted to know about his life and, and we were very much talking from a sort of left-wing perspective and he happened to mention that he had fought in the Spanish Civil War and of course we wanted to know everything about it well, oh god tell us you know tell us about your experiences and we, we were hoping he'd talk about the anarchists and the fascists and the communists and how all that all that worked but instead all he said to us was well I'll tell you this I stayed in this house over there and I fucked my mum and I fucked the daughter as well and we're like, oh my God, <laughs> this is not what we were after. But then whenever I think of that, I think of the Pogues, you know, the Ladies of Easy Leisure and all that kind of, that, that song is not political. That song is just about having a good time. And uh, yeah, so there we go. Well, bless him. I mean, if he went out with a gun once or twice in between all that other pleasure. Yeah. He was on the right side, wasn't he? He wasn't signed fighting with Franco. I didn't even find out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he knew. <laughs> Simon Price, thank you so much. Thank you. Now, if you would like to hear more of that interview with Simon, you can join us on Patreon, where there is an extended version available. And it is indeed thanks to you, our wonderful, virtuous, radiant, exultant, is that a word? Patreon supporters, that we can now continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. Just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. For as little as £2 a month, you will get early access to ad-free. Ad-free! Nothing's ad-free anymore. Nothing. The sky is got full of subliminal images getting you to buy chicken nuggets from somewhere or to really find out what's going on for just four pounds a month you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended versions of the guest interviews and with extra elliot and you'll get bonus sketches for example this week there's nigel boulevard on the outrageous vote rigging in i'm a celebrity all our patron supporters get the episodes on friday nights unlike everybody else who has to sit in buckets of pig slurry to pass the time until Saturday morning arrives. 
So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. As you know, we love to get all sorts of views on this podcast, and so here once again is the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right, next up we've got Bryn Thomas. He's Welsh, if you can believe it. <laughs> and now he wants everyone else to go around speaking Welsh like him, is that it? Well, no, Mike, that's not it. I'm part of a campaign to promote the Welsh language and encourage people who love languages to maybe consider studying Welsh, as well as the more obvious languages. Well, why would anyone want to speak Welsh? Well, there are now almost a million people in Wales who can speak Welsh, and and it's... Well, so what? You're in England now. Well, I'm in a studio in Cardiff, actually. Ah, same thing. Now, listen, Bryn, if people want to come to our country, they should learn the language. Oh, I see. So do you learn Welsh when you come to Wales, Mike? Well, what would be the point of that? Welsh isn't even a language. It's just words that have been made up. I think you'll find all languages are made up, Mike, even English. Oh, English isn't made up. It goes back to the Bible. I'm not sure about that, Mike. Who do you think wrote the Bible? God. And God was English, was he? Yes. That's why he made a garden with an apple tree. He didn't tempt Eve with a daffodil and rugby union, did he? The Bible was set in England. So what about the Red Sea, the wilderness of Judea and the walls of Jericho? They're not in England, are they? Yes, they are. That's enough of that, idiot. See you, Bryn. No wonder the Pogues are number one instead of mud. Here's Joey Barton with the women's football results. What the fuck is going on? It has come to the time of the week when... People stop what they're doing around the world like they did during the, during the Second World War when it would be, um, be time for workers' break time and half an hour before you went back to making rivets and shells and things. And you listened to the announcements, the crucial announcements about how many Germans had been shot down over the channel or about how our troops were doing in Sicily or whatever. And that is the importance of this now, the weekly announcements, where uh, I'm announcing that that, oh dear, I've not got much to announce. I'm announcing that I, I'm, I don't know, that I'll be touring around the country next year and there'll be another series of Mark Steels in town in Margate and Stoke and I don't know where else yet. This is the thing. What a magical world we live in. We'll see what's still left in May and then we'll come, come to you. No point in the, this modern world. There's no point in picking a, a town, is there? Because we might go, well, we're going to come to Buckingham and then... The Israelis bomb it, and that's the end of it. Wouldn't we feel silly? Now, some people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, and they want to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Ray18 on Twitter asks, what the fuck is going on with the UK having a Prime Minister who's able to hang on to his job despite seemingly having early-onset dementia? At least that's the only reason I can think of him not recalling anything. Well, you cynic, Ray C. 18. Uh, it is remarkable the number of things that he got. This is the real thing, right? Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson both have refused, in effect, to hand over their WhatsApp messages to this inquiry. And the list of issues on which Rishi Sunak cannot remember what happened that the WhatsApp messages might have assisted him with 
is remarkable. He cannot remember the first meeting at which lockdown was discussed. He was the chancellor. He cannot remember meetings at which there were an argument who was on what side of the argument about whether there should be a lockdown, whether there shouldn't be. There's 20 of these meetings that he has no recollection of, no recollection. This is not sort of, it's not like one of them little things you get on a, uh, a little test thing where they show you a minute's film of sort of London, the 1950s. And at the end, what, what was the woman in the laundrette wearing? And you know, one of them panel games. What was the number on the third bus that went over Waterloo Bridge? It's not that difficult. It's, do you remember being at a meeting where you discussed eat out to help out, which was your entire strategy for dealing with the worst economic crisis Britain had been in since the Second World War, and which now is said to have led to fuck knows how many more people bloody getting COVID. Do you remember being at that meeting? Well, no, I was busy at the time. What were you busy doing? You were busy going to the meeting. That's like asking a football manager. Do you remember being at the FA Cup final when you were the manager of the team? No, I was really busy at the time, too busy to remember doing the thing I was being busy at. And then all of the WhatsApp messages have been lost. When I bought a new phone, do you remember getting a new phone? No, he said. If this was a court, you'd just be sent down until you remembered, wouldn't you? But no one gives it. As I've said many times now, it's got past the whole thing. Now, this is actually, this leads on to the next question. Sacho Distel on Patreon asks, is Keir Starmer about to pull off the most shocking electoral result of all time by failing to win a majority against the most unpopular government we've ever had? No, I don't think so, because we're at that point now when, I don't know, probably... 75% of the people who are going to vote have decided that these people are just hopeless. They're hopeless in one reason or another. They can't. And so that's why now the yeah, we've lost what the, the, the inquiry over the most serious thing that's happened since the Second World War. What do you remember about it? Person who was in charge? Nothing. Where are all the what's that lost them? And nobody's amazed or surprised. That's why every day this is people who follow these things go, look what they've done now. Grant Shapps has been caught buggering a baboon and then saying that it can give it a, make him it his private bloody secretary and giving him a job worth £85,000 a month. And people are going, yeah, that's what they do this lot. Michael Gove has been caught selling crystal meth and saying his hero is Walter White. Yeah, I'm not surprised now. See, once you're past that point, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. James Cleverly could be photographed stabbing a panda with a fork in the eye, the last one, just as it was about to breed. And people go, I'm surprised you stab pandas this lot. So that's why I don't think anything's really going to help them very much. That's my answer to Ray and to Satchmo. Now, Graham Wright, one of our Patreon supporters, asks, Hey, Mark, hope you're okay. Simple question. What do you think will happen first? Crystal Palace qualify for the Champions League or Boris Johnson confirms in a public statement the actual number of kids he has fathered? Well, I think what will happen first because, you know, in the world in which there's an infinite number of monkeys, or no, there's no, there's an infinite, no, a, a one monkey, isn't it, in a cage with a typewriter, given infinite amount of time, he can never die, he's immortal, this monkey. Eventually he will type the works of Shakespeare. Take a while, better do it. Similarly, eventually, in an infinite amount of time, 
I think what would happen, neither of those things you've said, but I think a strange little convergence. Boris Johnson would become manager of Crystal Palace and then we'd finish 12th as usual. And then he would say, uh, we, we, uh, we were in the Champions League and, uh, and I, uh, I was the, the captain and we beat uh, Barcelona and it was uh, a 4-0, I think you'll recall. And um, uh, uh, that was the, uh, the, 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 I don't know why there were no reports I referred to, but anyway, but, and then we're, now we're um, king, of the, uh, king of the world. That's what happened. What the fuck is going on? Now, it is not possible, especially at Christmas, to work out what the fuck is going on with that expert advice from your young children who really are the, the very reason we have Christmas. And that is why we are so, so fortunate to have with us Elliot Steele, 27 and a bit. Hello. Hello. It's all it's all for the kids, isn't it? Well, uh, this is the problem I've got with this Christmas is I've actually started making some money. So now, now I've got to buy people good things. Like yeah. before, I could just make you something. And you would have to yeah. go, oh, that's the best thing ever. Thank you. Yeah. Now it's like... Well, get in an egg oh, box. Get in an egg oh. box with that was painted purple in purple sparkly paint saying you Happy Christmas, year, Dad. Though. Yeah, when you're 25, that loses <laughs> yeah. its appeal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A mug with macaroni spelling of world's best dad on it and everything's <laughs> like slightly upside down. It's not going to cut it this year. But um, no, I've now got... But I'm like... You, Christmas is weird for me because I, I don't know if you had this when you were on the circuit. I I do Christmas gigs. Right. So it's a lot of crowd control, all of this stuff. So it, it's this sort of weirdly horrible time of year where your work becomes horrible where it, because everyone else's work becomes fun. Right. Whereas my work becomes harder. So you kind of like, and whereas all I do at the minute is kind of work, I, I do look at this point and go, oh, fuck. So what's the worst ones you've had? I did an office Christmas party. That was easily the worst gig I've ever done. What happened there? It, it was just, okay, I knew it was going to be a disaster when the woman messaged me who booked me and went, hey, do you bring your own microphone and mic stand? That's bad. And I was like, like I'm some travelling... Oh, like, you, the <laughs> sadness of... With theatre. Oh. We're, so, we're very glad that you're coming to perform Hamlet. Do you bring your own skull and ghost? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, all right. And then when I got there, like, it was very obvious the boss was furious at how much I cost right. for this party. <laughs> so it was like, everyone already fucking hates me. The, the buffet was in the middle of the room. Oh, so right. I was overshadowed by a buffet. I went to the boss. I went, hey, mate. Like, would it be okay if you bring me on? Like, just so I'm not, like, getting a mic, playing around with a mic and then seeing if it works and then coming on. You bring me on. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kept going, what's your, what's your name again? And I was like, <laughs> Elliot Steele, right? And he went, Elliot, Elliot Steele. And he went on, turned the mic on, and he just went, Elliot Steele, and then handed me the mic. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah, of course he doesn't know. Like, you know, I thought he would do, like, a little speech or something. And I got on. It's been a great year. And it's like, it's a room of like 50 people, maybe not that, maybe like 40 people. I'd say five of them are listening to me. Right, that's not bad. Yeah. And then, but like, 
So to my left, stage left, not, but not, not even stage left. There's no stage. Like, so I'm by the DJ booth, but they haven't turned the strobe lights of the DJ booth down. So you can't see me. Right. The lights are the wrong side of me. The lights aren't in front of me. They're behind me. So you're going to get an epileptic fit by looking at me. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm trying everything, but I'm just, it's not working. And then this one guy starts like, oh, I shouldn't say this as a comedian. I don't mind being heckled, but there's a difference between like heckling and an interruption to the point where it starts coming personal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. heckling's fine, but like deliberately trying to fuck with me is where I'll stop the, I'll stop the like, try. I, I'll get to like, bro, I'll, uh, like I can throw you through the wall. Let's end this <laughs> right now. Let's this, this ends right now. Like I'm a human being. <laughs> Don't think just because I'm up here, I have some level of professionalism where I won't put you in an armbar. Like, <laughs> don't, don't do this. Uh, and he's gone to like that point. So he's like shouting. He was like, I've just got out of prison. I went, what would you go out of prison for? He went, breaking into a fiver. I'm like, what? He's like, uh. breaking into a fiver. I was like, what? He's like, and I, I was like, what? And then he like keeps trying to join in. <laughs> and I saw he was, he was on the Peroni zero zeros. And he was telling me, he had some conversation happened where he had two kids. Now, I didn't say this because I hadn't been paid yet, but I wanted to go, oh, is that why you're on, is that why you're on the Peroni zero zeros and you've got two kids because you got a bit handsy with a wife and now you've got to dress as Batman on the weekend, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I, I couldn't even like that. I, I, that's like what I do, but I can't do that because I haven't been paid because then they'll be like, we're not paying you. You came to the office and you told his name, I think his name was Ryan. And you told Ryan that he slapped his wife about and he can't see his kids. And like when that, when that letter's like sent through, like I'd, I'd be like, yeah, I'd like, look, that reads really badly. <laughs> that, does, that does read badly. That is the problem with, that is the problem with stand up sometimes as you read the transcript and go, all right, written down, it hasn't quite got the panache that I thought I delivered it with. Um, so, so I fucking like, I die so badly. I like just I, when my time's up, I look at my phone to see how long I've done. I put the microphone down and I, and, oh, that was it. I ended by saying, I hope you have a better fiscal year. So you, I hope you have a good fiscal year. So next year you can get a better entertainer. Right. And that got a laugh. Right. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, that got, a, that like, got a, <laughs> that was actually all right. Put the thing down and I just walked out. I just walked out. And you haven't seen them since? No. No. I, like, they, they emailed me like, hey, do you want some photographs of the night? I was like, why the fuck? <laughs> why the fuck would I? Do, I would look at that photograph the same way Prince Andrew must look at that photograph of him with his arm around that girl. Like going, oh no, there's evidence. Oh no, no. Like I understand. Like I understand now. I'm not. I understand how Prince Andrew felt when he must have seen that, and I just had to go. I don't recall that being taken. Like I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, it seems I'm there, but I don't remember being there. That's like I understand. No, you don't have to pay twelve I, million quid to no, shut them up. I would That'd pay, be a very expensive. I would very expensive Christmas gig. I would. I would if. I owned a Swiss chalet and they were like, we're going to release that photo. I'd go, I'd give you the Swiss chalet. I'll give you the Swiss. Please don't release photos of this. 
<laughs> so that's that's like what happens for me at Christmas. <laughs> right. So, but your love of Christmas is uh, it, it sort of it dwindled a little bit once you got to about four, in my memory. Well, because you and mum would argue all the time. That was what Christmas was when you and mum were in the house together. <laughs> you, a, a person who's been away for eleven months of the year, would do your annual visit. <laughs> and then, and then my mum would be on a third bottle of wine by eleven a.m. and it would all fucking fall to shit. And then my grand would come round and rescue it just by giving me loads of presents. That was Christmas. She wouldn't rescue it. They would argue. They would argue over Trivial Pursuit. They would have a massive fight over Trivial Pursuit. Massive fight. You walked out two Christmases in a row. It almost came a fucking tradition. I didn't walk out. You did. You, walk, you, you went for a walk two Christmases I in a row. I went for a just, walk. That's you not just, walking you just had out. That That's is, not just walking slam, out. You slam the door behind you. You disappear for like two hours. And I then you disappear for two hours. I went for a walk like down nothing, to South like, Norwood Lakes. And then you'd just act like nothing happened. <laughs> you'd come back and then it would be like, dinner's ready and we'd all just sit around the dinner table and act like nothing had happened. I didn't walk out. I went for a walk around South Norwood Lakes. You probably came with me. No. You just left. You just up and left two Christmases. In oh, Rome. this is false memory syndrome. This, this is, is a false memory syndrome. That's what That's happened. what this is. I never walked, didn't walk out. We've already gone down from walked out, making it sound like I just <laughs> left and went round to my mistress who lived two doors away. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. There was the mm. year you made us drive up to Bolton. Did, well, that's because we were, we were spending Christmas in Bolton. That's not... Then there was the year that you forced us to go to Lapland. Then there was the year that you forced us to accept loads of gifts. Then there was the year you forced us to have a tree in the house. You, you stop saying that. Stop saying that driving to Bolton is like it's a fucking Christmas, like, like it's part of a, like it's part of like some Chris Rear driving home for Christmas. Beautiful thing that you do on Christmas Day. Oh, you can't move up the M6 for everyone driving to Bolton. Or M1 for everyone driving up the Bolton. We had a lot of that, yeah. No, we didn't. You just drove us up there, but you were like, we're going to Bolton. And that was that was like four hours of my Christmas was going to Bolton. What does people who go to Thailand? They go, <laughs> oh, then it was the time our bloody <laughs> mum and dad forced us <laughs> to get on a fucking plane with no thought about whether or not it would crash or whether or not we'd be end up bloody in jail for 25 years because we'd be we'd be fraudulently arrested for importing illegal substances. Are you, oh, are that you was actually comparing? Christmas. Hold on, hold on, stop, stop now. Are you comparing a family going to Thailand, going to see the islands of Phuket and looking at, looking at all the amazing things that Thai culture has to offer as the same as putting your son and daughter in the back of a car and driving for four, hour, four or five hours up to Bolton on Christmas Day. People don't fly out on we Christmas Day. We had a big Day. Christmas like, dinner and then we went up to Bolton. It fucking sucked. It was awful. You don't fucking said terrible. It was a beautiful Christmas. It wasn't a beautiful Christmas. It, 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 it was horrible. What the fuck are you on about? A beautiful Christmas dinner with turkey and roast potatoes. And stop saying we had a beautiful Christmas dinner. Like, no, it sucked. The Christmas dinner was awful because it was rushed by the fact that we had to go to Bolton. You also, you can't cook, so you're not going to be able to cook a turkey, one of the hardest poultries to cook. Like, what, the, what is this made up? What Do you remember that Christmas day? It, can I just ask, do you remember that as me and Eloise just looking around going, this is the best Christmas ever? Like, is that how you remember it? Well, I don't remember you saying you, you, this is the best Christmas ever because you were probably as ungrateful then as you are now. 
Do you think I'm ungrateful for not wanting to go to Bolton on Christmas Day? Well, you don't have to go want to go to Bolton, but that's where we were going. Fucking unbelievable! That that was that that yeah no that was the worst Christmas Day. That was that's why I don't have any Christmas cheer. Outrageous! What do you mean outrageous? You got There's drunk people... at that Christmas. Do you remember that? Yeah, because you had to fucking you had to go. You, you and Mum used to have to get me gifts because of the shoddy parenting that you you had to go. Oh right, we, we, we right. Had, you had to go. Sorry. Sorry for the everlasting damage. Here is an Xbox. That's that was like the deal. It was like sorry, oh sorry about you listen. Well, that's what all Christmas all presents out. are. You'll isn't it? This that's out what all Christmas so- presents to kids are. Sorry for the everlasting damage. Here's an Xbox. That's what the fucking ad- that's what the John Lewis advert should be. The John Lewis advert should be some classical music oh an xbox yes sorry for the everlasting damage now maybe you can play on that until it breaks that's what that, you know you, you obviously remember this very differently to how me and several other people remember it but you never that even played was, that fucking drum kit you wanted yeah, it because you, you'd moan at me because it was too loud I didn't moan at you because it was too loud. I did not get you a drum kit and then moan at you because it was too loud. How would I have done that? I did did falsify that part. I I stopped playing the drum. I lost interest in it. You falsified that part? I falsified that part. That part was made up. Yeah, I was, was looking it? for an out. Yeah. But, but the, but the it's a shame it, that it fucking all... WhatsApps weren't around at the time. Otherwise, this could all have been in WhatsApp and you could have fucking forgotten all them and all and bloody accidentally lost them. We're having the best Christmas ever because I'm going to Bolton. The fuck? And the, the fact that you'd even compare that to going to Thailand, which I've not been to, by the way. You never took me to Thailand. Oh, is that my fault? Yeah, well, it's it's my fault now, but I'm saying it was your fault that Christmas that I didn't go to Thailand. This is the new generation. This is it. I had a shitty childhood. My parents never even took me to Thailand. Well, thank you for uh, illuminating us as to what I was going to talk about Christmas trees. But we never quite got round to that, did we? Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Now let's sing good resty merry gentlemen and call it a day. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, then assemble a a team of people in New Mexico to write the perfect review. Take years and years, not like them slapdash people with their silly bomb. And uh, if there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFIsGoingOnPod and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month and get early access to ad-free, ad-free, nothing's ad-free, and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Simon Price and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Simon Price. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on? Was brought to you by WTF Productions. 